0: Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of uh, first, um, f- first Peter, chapter one, verses six through twelve. When I'm done reading, I will say, "This is the word of the Lord." Please respond by saying, "Thanks be to God." So, First Peter, chapter one, verses six to twelve. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that will follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, church. Good morning. Yep. Um, thank you for worshiping us for the first time. We're glad to have you around. Um, we are going to, we just started a series last week. Um, We've titled the series, Living on the Edge. Living on the Edge. So it's based on the book of First Peter. Um, Just in preparing for this, I I read I read a transcript of of uh, of an interview, like an interview or a panel talk um, yesterday. It's on TGC, thegospelcoalition.org. As many of you are familiar with it, if you're not, you should check it out. So the panel was um, the panel comprised of three women. So one was one was Nancy, Vanita, and um, and Danielle. And so they were talking about. Um, um, so these women have gone through stuff in their life. So for Nancy, she had had the first child, and then the second child she had suffered from what you call the syndrome. Obviously. But it's crazy stuff. So the child died after maybe um, over hundred days or so. And so. When, if, when, if, when they saw the doctor, the doctor told them that the way they are conditioned, they always have a 25% chance, or any child they have stands a 25% chance of having that syndrome again. And so they planned that they're not, going to, well, they're not going to conceive again, nothing whatsoever. But again, they conceived, and they went to check. Hopefully, this one doesn't have. But the next child to had the, the syndrome. And this one stayed with them for a little longer, but also passed. This was a girl. The other woman, Vanita, um, she had had about 21 surgeries before she was 13. She had polio. And then, um, as, she, as she got married, she also lost a child in infancy. And then, when she was going through all of this, her husband just left her uh, and her kids, you know, just left and disappeared. So she went to a horrible divorce. Then, not to, then to top it up, she now had what she she, ha, she has what you call post polio syndrome. So it's like the polio is coming back, but it's not coming back. So she's losing the use of her limbs, her hands and her legs. Even in interviews, she could not hold the mic. She was just raised the mic, but she could not. You know, she was talking about it. And then the third woman, Dinelle, She um, she had had a, a daughter and then a son. She didn't say how she lost the son, but she also lost the son Chase when the guy was just like nine days after his first birthday. And so these two women were just talking. Christian women, godly women, they know the Bible, they talk about scripture, they've seen life. And they were just engaging, you know, how they've been able to go through this, how they are going through this, how they've not been able to get out of it, how they found grace, how they found, you know, open the midst of all this. And I kept reading, I was saying, man, I've gone through stuff, but the kind of way these women were talking, like, it was, they were, they were real. They were authentic. They, were, they, they talk about how that they almost left God, blah, 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 blah. But you can also see some kind of beauty. You can also see some kind of what they've become. You could see something that was, that was special about them. You know, I could not put my hands on it. But when I get, get back to this text again, after reading that transcript, just going back to the text, 1 Peter 1, 6 to 12, which we're going to consider today. I began to see that hmm it's like these women have these women they have what we're going to consider today and we've tied to the, the topic of today's sermon fireproof joy fireproof joy that is what they had in, in this chapter in chapter 1 um, in verse 8 you will see what it says here i want us to turn to our bible Sorry. Oh, I can't find first picture. It's on the screen. Oh God. God bless you, Tommy well, I did not ask you to do this, but you did. <laughs> God will bless you with fireproof joy. God will bless you. Thank you very much. Um so um can you take it up to seven, six, six, seven? Yes. So I want to look at look at, that, look at that 6. He said, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than good, which perishes even though refined by fire. You see? The joy that we speak of today, we're going to talk about today, fireproof joy, it is a joy that is present in the midst of trials. You see, this joy is not a joy that comes after trials. And you know, Christians, this is what we are most familiar with. We are familiar with, oh, you know the, you know, the popular, popular text, Psalm 30, that says that sorrow may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. But have you slept with headache and you woke up with typhoid fever before? <laughs> or you slept sound, but the next morning you had to rush in the hospital. Man, there was joy in the night, but what? Morning. Morning in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that is not what that text would say. You see, some, some kind of sorrows endure for months, for many nights, for years of nights. So you see, the kind of joy we're talking about, the fireproof joy, is not a joy that comes after sorrow. It's not a joy that comes after trials. You see what he says? He says, he's comparing, you see, Peter was comparing, he says, look at faith, look at gold, look at trials, and, and look, look at trials, and look at fire. So you see, he says, these trials, they're like, they're like fire. What fire does to gold? But this what is joy? He said, in all this, you greatly rejoice. In all this. It doesn't come after. It is the midst of the fire. You see, this joy, fireproof joy, does not come, it is not a joy that we have in the absence of trials. It is not a joy that we have in the absence of trials. You see, the way we try to think about joy, and you know, culture and society we live in, we, we talk about it like happiness, and it's usually about, oh, if things are going fine, then you have joy. But if things are not going well, you have sorrow. But this joy is present in the of trials. It is not in the absence. You see, there's something about, about trial, about sorrow. You know that some, one of the reasons why maybe Christians in particular tend to find it so hard to experience sorrow, tend, tend to find sorrow, grief, so hard to bear, it is because most of the time, most of us do not expect trials to come to us. We don't expect trials. In fact, it's not just Christian thing. Most people are surprised. Whenever something bad happens to us, we are surprised. We are shocked. I don't know how you often, like, our response to it is surprise, is is, we are, is amazement. No, this joy is not in the absence of trial. You see, sometimes, some of us are not that are not surprised. Some of us, we feel like, I don't deserve these things that are happening to me. Even if you expect, what some of us think is, we don't, I don't deserve, why should, why should it be happening to me? You've heard the gospel over and over and over again, but... Your thing is, no now, but, like, why? Why me? Like, why should this? You still find it creeping into your consciousness, no matter how much of theology and doctrine you know. This is the one that kills it. So, let's say you even pass the first test. You expect trials to come. The second test, you think, okay, whatever I get in this life, God gives it to me, blah, 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 blah. But look at this third one. Many of us fall into this. You see, the third one is, you say, because, like this woman, one of these women said this, I think it was Vanita or, or, or Daniel, she said it too. She said, when, I think it was Vanita, it's after she had polio and then her, her son died, but then she now had her husband leaving her. She was saying, ah, like what? I thought people are supposed to bear one cross. Everybody, you have your own cross to bear. For some people, it is divorce. For some people, it is the loss of their child. For some people, sickness. You just have your own cross and you bear. But no, see, it says, in in all this we greatly rejoice because we suffer grief in all kinds of trials. It means that there are different kinds of trials that we may go through. But it also means that sometimes we might be going through kinds of trials at a time. But fireproof joy is present in the midst of all these kinds of trials. You see, this, this fireproof joy is not the one that I used to express with my friends on campus. When we go, um, we go to the church to pray for a special meeting. I don't that special meeting. So the lay hands, you prophesy, they lay hands, you give a um, word of wisdom, but then you slay in the spirit, you fall down. But then the next one, this is the height, laughing in the spirits, <laughs> <laughs> laughing. Like, this is, this is the height of joy as some people act like you believe. You know, this, is, this is the joy in the Holy Ghost that the Bible speaks of. And so we're just all over the place, people carrying chairs, you know, up and down, like scratching everywhere, kicking each other, just laughing from one edge to the other. At one meeting, some man, I went for one meeting. I think I don't know what it was called. Maybe it was Holy Spirit workshop or, or joy workshop. And so the, the man of God would just touch somebody. As he touched the person like this, they get those... Ah! To so the altar, ran down the wall, Run back! The uh-huh. guy was laughing, he was ecstatic. I was just there, my friend, and I said, I want the Holy Spirit though. <laughs> but it's not with the uh, forehead. <laughs> See, the guy was reading the text, he was reading one look or something, to look for, uh-huh. and then he would come, he read it, he started reading. And at some point, he could not continue reading, he was just laughing. <laughs> mm-hmm. He would start reading again. And then you want to, do, <laughs> you just laugh. You want to say joy, <laughs> joy. <laughs> and then it will, will call people to come and read. And they will try to read, so they cannot read joy. Piano, the, the pianist, the pianist try to, you <laughs> The girl cannot play with joy. <laughs> this is not the kind You see this fireproof joy is deeper Than this kind of joy It is not that surface <laughs> You see some of us are thinking Okay I get all this that you have described See the kind of joy Maybe this joy You see for Christians they would, you know, When people come When you are going through trials You are going through tribulations um, and You are going through suffering And people come to me And they tell you You know now worry. In the quote, hey, Romans 8, 28 for you, all things working together for good. You know, rise up. Just wash your face and rise up. You know, just pull yourself up. You don't want to like, show some faith. You know, be strengthened in the Lord. Like, what's, what's wrong with you? You see, this joy, that is not joy. Oh. That is not Christian at all. That is not even Christian. Most of the time. It is maybe it is what you call stoicism, like stoicism, what you just, you look at, <coughs> <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs> <laughs> so, <coughs> <coughs> so you look at try and tell you, don't worry about it. Just, just bold, just look up. So this is not the kind of joy we're talking about. That's not joy at all. You see, in fact, when you look at verse 6 again, verse 6 says that, they suffer grief. Look at it. It's not like you go through trials or you go through pain. It's saying you suffer grief. Grief here means heaviness. There is a feeling. There is a strong emotion. There is, there, is, there is a shadow. There is fog over you like it is deep. It is strong. It is heavy. It is grief. When Job suffered, what did Bible say? He tore his clothes. He put on ashes. And then he cried, he wailed, he lamented. He dropped himself to the ground. And what did the Bible say? He said in all of this, Job did not do what? Did not sin. Grief. True Christians experience grief. Jesus Christ wept. He cried. Jesus Christ on the cross was not saying, ah, uh-uh, Jesus. I've preached to people about this thing now. Just take it, just take it. Just take it. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. No, no. He screamed. Grief. So fireproof joy is not that. That is not what fireproof joy is. You see, Paul writes to us and he says that you see, this, this joy is this fireproof joy is fundamental, it's constant. It's regardless of what is happening or what is not happening. You see what Paul says? Paul says that the kingdom of God is what? Is joy. He says what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. When you are a Christian, joy comes. Because you are a Christian, we learned last week from what Pastor Jimmy told taught us, the Spirit, you became Christians through the Spirit. And if you say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy comes. This is the package. It's follow come. When you see a Christian that does not have joy, something's wrong. You should return the package to Jumia. You should return, you should say, no, I can't find, it's not, like, it's not complete, it comes with it, it's joy comes. The kingdom of God is joy, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. And so this first point is, what is why you need fireproof joy? What is fireproof joy? That's what we have considered. I want us to move to the next so how does this fireproof joy work how does it work a second point how does the fireproof joy work let's go back to our text you see six says in all this now you greatly rejoice if you go up four five I know now you didn't do that one if you did that for five, uh-uh. <laughs> so four five ah so four5 is up I'm performing to Wednesday last week and he talked about sanctified, he talked about sprinkling, he talked about it, and then he went to the last point. What last point? He said, who is a Christian? He said, a Christian is what? He's an heir. Right? He has an inheritance. He has stuff kept for him, saved. He said, I talk about Qatari. Oh, and compared, like there is is nothing compared to the inheritance that you have. And then, Peter comes to verse 6, and he says, In all this you greatly rejoice, in all that, in that inheritance. You see, what does, what does when he put say about inheritance in 5 4? He says that this inheritance cannot spoil, cannot perish, cannot fade. You see, this joy is not found in things that can spoil. This joy is not found in things that can perish. This joy is not found in things that can fade. The best things that we have in this life, they can perish. They can spoil, they can fade. Oh, you have health. You jog every day on Leko Ikoy Bridge. You do paleo diets. You have the best genes. Oh, you live so perfectly well. Your health will eventually fail you when you die. It rotates, it fades, your flesh becomes flabby. Oh, you put your hope, you put, you find joy in in your career, you find joy in your professional achievements, or you find joy in how much money you have in your accounts, a recession can come, and investments can go wrong. You see, all of those things in this life, they will perish, they will spoil, they will fade. And so, when we say oh, in all these we greatly rejoice, we're we'll not saying we don't rejoice in those kind of things. That is not where we find our joy. That is not how the fireproof joy works. It says, this joy, you see, joy, this joy I'm speaking of is a joy, is kept, you see, is the inheritance in heaven. Where no mouth, where no teeth, where there's no rust. And so you start asking yourself, okay, I see. So if this joy is not dependent on these things that I have that can perish, that can spoil, that can fade. So, but, but when, when I lose these things, when I lose my health, when I lose money, when my wife dies, when, when my husband leaves me. I will have sorrow, right? I'm going to have grief. That's true because I've said that grief is real. So it's not like you say no, no, there is grief, there is sorrow. You have sorrow when you lose all these things in this world. And I'm also saying that this joy is constant. I'm saying this joy is there. It's like it stands, it's confirmed, nothing. So what's happening here? You see, when Peter speaks in this verse 6, he's speaking both present tense in both instances. He's saying all this you greatly rejoice. But though, you still go through all kinds of trials. So you see the way this thing works. This joy and sorrow work in tandem. This joy and sorrow work simultaneously. They work together. They coexist. See, so you greatly rejoice. Is see, when sorrow comes to life, let me give you a picture. Is see, when, when, when grief comes to life, when trials come to life, when you to experience grief, you know what? How many, many of us react in different ways. For some of us, we become, when the soul comes to life, it makes us it makes us it makes us bad, it makes us terrible people, it makes us wicked people, we become brutal. We just we're just angry at everything in life. We just we just become full of resentment. For some of us, when the soul comes into our life, we're not that strong. We don't respond in that kind of strong way, we just give up. We lose up say, after everything I've done after everything I've done for God, or after every way I've tried to live my life carefully, it goes. We give up. We lose. Some of us, we just lose the taste of life. You found those people who have been to I see, it's when that man's wife left him, it was when that man's son died that, like, he just became a shadow of himself. He lost, he lost his job. He left this. He left that. And then his life just, he just became, he lost taste for life. You see, in that, those, but Peter is saying that in the midst of that kind of sorrow, in the midst of that kind of loss and grief that we, should, that we are supposed to have this joy together he and this is not a new this is not uncommon to the scripture in 2 Thessalonians one verse 6 and see what, see what Peter, Paul says Paul says, he says, in the midst of severe suffering, you have joy in the Holy Ghost In second Corinthians eight verse two he says you see he was talking about the Corinthians judgment he said, he said they have They have severe trials. You see, they have extreme poverty. Extreme, you see, extreme poverty. And you cannot guess what comes next. He says they have, but they have what? Overflowing joy. They have extreme poverty. They have severe trials. But they have overflowing joy. Paul says that, I am always sorrowful, but yet rejoicing. Always sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So how does this work? You see, in verse six, when he says that fire refines gold, and he compares gold to it compares gold to a faith, it compares gold to you, and he says fire is suffering. You see what he it say? He's saying this sorrow <coughs> that we have, this sorrow, he. The way In the way fire refines gold, that sorrow refines you. Sorrow refines your faith. Sorrow makes you a better person. Sorrow can make you strong. Sorrow can actually activate the joy. Sorrow can actually drive the joy. Sorrow can actually make the joy spring up in your life. You see, when these three women were talking, Vanita, Guthrie, and Danielle. And so they were talking. They've talked for a while, blah, blah, blah. They've said a lot of stuff. The interview's about an hour. And they got to a point where um, they now talked about a the person they knew. Her name is Tony e- Ericsson. I, I don't know how to fool them. But her name is, what is it? So, Tony Erickson Tada. And so this particular woman, so they were saying, man, they've been through a lot, they have seen God's grace, they've seen stuff. But all of them acknowledged that this woman was their hero. Like, if there could be anything, it would be this woman. Like, this woman is just their example. This woman they want to be like. This woman they look up to. This woman is so beautiful. Like, in spirit, this woman is so joyful. This woman is so. It's just, just, just the. Perfect model of a Christian they want. And yeah, I think what kind of woman this is. Is it this Tony was a woman who had become a quadri- oh, um, quadriplegic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it meant that she had started to use a wheelchair for when she was young. She had she was involved in a diving accident. She had to use a wheelchair. Not just that. Then later in her life, this woman had had bouts of breast cancer. And then this woman was saying that that woman is their hero. That woman is the person to look at. They said they can't just believe. They can't fathom how, because of the sorrow, through the sorrow, through the pain that this woman has gone through, it has produced some kind of joy. It has produced some kind of strength. It has made it some kind of beauty, And that's the kind of person. You see, see, if that is what, you see, they started to have hope in their when they felt like, if, this, if sorrow can make somebody like this, Maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can, I can deal with the sorrow. Maybe I can go through suffering. And some of us can relate a bit. You can remember that the times in your life, there been many times in your life when you experience God deeply, when you've experienced joy strongly, but you can remember that there are some times, in fact, most of the times in your life, when you've experienced joy, when you felt so close to God, when you feel like you felt like like that was just it felt like you were on, like shower, like of joy, just like you were just pouring upon. You felt so good, so richly. What well, the times when you were in a season of pain and loss. When there was no other way you could do it. Like your friend couldn't have helped you. Your mom couldn't have helped you. Your dad couldn't have helped you. Your health couldn't have helped you. Your fortune, your money couldn't have helped you. Your professional achievement couldn't Helped you, and he said only God can help me and you go close to him and then you put yourself in some kind of fast and then you started to read your Bible at great length, and then you just shut your phone off say I don't want receive calls at this time I'm just going to pray, I'm just going to see God I kept crying and kept asking him to pray for me you knew, you can remember you can identify that those times were times of the greatest refresh in your life sorrow, the joy is there but this sorrow somehow acts to pop the joy out more. This is how the fireproof joy works. Psalm 1, and verse 3. It's what it says. It says that <coughs> in Psalm 1, verse 3, it shows quickly. Can we, can we turn to Psalm 1, verse 3? Yeah, I want you to turn. I'm not using to buy time. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted <need> <laughs> So, Psalm 1 verse 3 says that that person, that person, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. How does it start this psalm? It says, it says the Psalm? You say blessed. word blessed? here can also feel all round. Like all around goodness, all around shalom, like joy, this indescribable, this perfect kind of joy. You see, blessed is this person. You see, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. So it means that this kind of person, you see, a person expresses this kind of fireproof joy, goes through its season, hot season. The person goes through what? Cold season. But look what he says. That means there are times when the person, will not, the person is going through pain, you are going through grief, you are going through suffering. But look what he said. He said, but whose leaf does not wither. Why? He said, because this tree is planted by the streams of water. This, this, is, this is this joy that is, that is fundamental. This is this joy that is there, even in sorrow. Deep down, deep down, on the surface. Oh, you know, people who are on the surface... They can crack jokes. They can make you laugh. They can go. But you know that deep back in your room, so if you're that kind of person, how much you cry, how much sorrowful you are. But he's saying the Christian is like a person who seems just calm and blah, blah, blah. But deep down, there is a joy. There's a, there a, there a river of water that drives the person's life. In fact, yeah. Pastor Keller, yeah, was preaching to someone at any he went on to even show that actually, this joy, fireproof joy, actually has the capacity, gives you the capacity to live with sorrow. Like he allows, even even allows sorrow to come in and he, he has the buoyancy to carry sorrow. Because in a way, you can define joy as the buoyancy that exists, buoyancy that springs up from enjoyment of the unchanging privileges we have in God. So you see, like... You know, normally when, like I said, when pain or when sorrow comes into your life, what you want to do is, sometimes you just want to deny it. You just want to say, you just want to say, eh, is my, is my, is all, all the, all the, how will I say, It's like, it's my boss or is my, it's that company when they laid you off. You just want to say, no, no, you want to, you want to just say everyone is wrong, everyone is, up, but you want to just, you want to find a way to, dis, di, di, you just want to find a way to dispel the sorrow. But you same when you have this, this kind of fire, allows you to take in the sorrow, gives you the capacity to say, When sorrow comes, you can receive it. When sorrow comes, you can take it. When sorrow comes, you can manage it. You can go through it. You can control it. It might swamp you sometimes. It might overwhelm you sometimes. But he's saying deep down, this fireproof joy gives you the capacity to handle it. So because you know, we are sure that we are going to experience sorrows in life. This is not a point anymore. We are sure that grief is going to come. We may not be going through grief now. Grief is going to come tomorrow. We might, we might be going through grief now, or we just left grief. We are definitely sure that we are going to go through sorrows. So our thinking should not be to try to avoid. Our thinking should not be, how is the best way that I can deflect, that I can deny the sorrow? You see, Guthrie was saying, the woman, Guthrie was saying, you see, after she experienced pain for the first child that they lost, and then she, they, got, they got pregnant to so the second one. So she said, okay, I've, I know what it's like. I know how it's like. So I'm prepared now. I want to prepare in advance for the sorrow of the next one. He said, no, it didn't work. He said, it came in own different way. The sorrow affected her, touched her in places that it could not come. Only when she went back, when she went deep, not trying to preempt, trying to find one special way to avoid the sorrow, to deflect it. But having this kind of joy that is able to have it, to contain it, You can't escape it by watching, you know, just pop-up skits online. You can't escape it by walking. You can't escape it by having an affair or watching porn. You can't. It says, "How the fireproof joy works." You see, to end this, this point, to wrap this point up, Emma, some of us know that my wife is very, very pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it will surprise you to know that. My some of us is surprised to know that I due this actually today. Like she's due like today. <laughs> so but you know how this is working a plus or minus two weeks. You know and all that. I read a lot of stuff about this. <laughs> anyway, so she's been having a couple of Braxton eggs and all, but <laughs> you know it's contractions, Braxton eggs, contractions, back and forth. And so, so like last week, so we have this they called doulas. Doulas, so doulas. This I just learned it too for the first time. So doulas are they're like midwives, but are not midwives. But their own focus is on the mother. You know, midwife doctors, they just focus on the child and the safety. So this is the one, they just specialize on the mother. So usually, this will come around every week. So every week to come and train us, prepare us. You know, just to get everything um, going and ready. And they yeah, oh, are Oyibo's two Oyibo's, and they now meet another Oyibo. Yeah, I'm black man. So <laughs> <laughs> they like to do everything like this. So we we sat and then one of these last time we start and we're around um Palo. and so what we're gonna do is say okay um, we'll turn off all the lights. Okay, so we we're gonna do yoga. So we turn off all the lights and so yoga helps to help relaxation, helps to you know open the cervix and everything. Okay, well, so we turn off all the lights, we brought out the laptop. And um, say I'm sorry, I'm exposing you. <laughs> so brought out the laptop, and we were playing with a video. So we were playing video of, of how flowers bloom. You know, flowers just open up. So that you have seen the flowers open up, it means that the cervix is opening up. You know, that kind of, so she, when she's in labor, she can be imagining that kind of stuff. And then we were playing um, music, videos of ocean waves. And it was going back and forth, and the light was off. And then when lit a candle, three candles. And then when now, we now put, Lavender smell for the first time. That's why I just, okay, okay. I felt pregnant when I smelled it. So <laughs> we now put, <laughs> we put the lavender on the table. And so what I was going through so was yoga. So now you did like this, okay. Now call attention to your, you know how this thing goes, to your calves. Feel the tense, the tension there. Um, release. And all through the while, at some point, we were doing this for several minutes. I don't scratch my head like this. Uh, <laughs> people will not kiss somebody. Else. They were not looking at me. So, for Sarah now started to have like these contractions, like, about, like, four, like four to five times in the midst of all this stuff. And she was like, hey, I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling pain. And I going to meet her I say, oh, is <laughs> uh, and said, this thing's working, Shah. Uh, so I went met her, and I met her and I sat beside her and I was talking. And the doula said something that struck me. And then she said, oh, that, no, 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 there's no problem, there's no problem. That she said, you see, every contraction is productive. You see, every contra- I never thought about it that way. I've read, I was reading one book, I've I seen that kind of you see, every contraction is productive. You see, and in the same way that this fireproof joy works, you see, when the soul kicks in, when the soul comes into our life, you see, like a contraction, it is producing, it's helping us to produce the joy. You see, it's pushing the baby down or opening cervix or preparing for the birth, preparing for the birth of the joy that is to come. This is how fireproof joy works. And so, my third point. So, you're saying, um, so, how do we get this fireproof joy? How do we get this fireproof joy? So, some of you say, okay, so if I put, if I find my joy in things that do not perish, if I find my joy in things that do not spoil, things that do not fail, eh, that one is too far, it's not tangible. Like, okay, okay, everything, everything will be set, everything will be. But it's not tangible. I'm saying that the loss of my husband or my wife is tangible. I'm saying my business crashed. This is something I can feel it now. This joy you're yeah, speaking of that's in things, I can't feel it, I can't sense it. I'll say one thing quickly. Before, but it's a promise for now, but I'll say one thing quickly. You see, when, the, you see, when, the, when black Americans, in the US, we are going through pain, we are going through slavery and racism. You know, it was a time where, that was a time where stuff, um, this stuff came out. Um, the Negro spirituals, I'm not familiar with the Negro spirituals, this is black American music. These guys were in the plantation, they were being flogged to block cutting. There was no hope that they would be saved. They've been under this for many years, for, for decades, there was no hope. But these guys, you know, these black people, they were tortured by the whites, but they kept singing about, Thinking about robes, singing about thrones, singing about angels, singing about the kingdom to come. You know, they were singing about justice is going to come. They were not singing because they knew something was going to happen tomorrow. They were saying, see, nothing may even happen in this life. But we know that that life that is to come, something is definitely going to happen. And this kept them on. This kept them strong. This kept them not giving up. This made them not to become docile. They were strong. They kept on. You see, the problem is not that these things are far. It's most of the time the problem is that we don't know how to look into these things. We don't know how to gaze into these things. Look out from verse 11. Look, see, what, see what Peter said. Peter said, concerning this salvation, he said, the prophets search with the greatest care. In verse 12, see what he says. He said, even angels long to look into these things. Angels, smart people. Angels, brilliant people. Angels have been existing since. Not like they can't. They want to, but because they've not found it, not see, they can not they can't feel it, they can't express it the way we feel it, the way, the way humans understand it. But they are still longing, even to today. You see, there is a way that we look, there's a way that we search with gaze, there's a way that we search with greatest care. We begin to make it vivid and practical. You know, God was saying, it's one of the things that keeps us going, one of the things that keeps us strong, one that keeps us firm is that, she just knows that. It just keeps. her. Sometimes she just thinks about when she studies the Bible, when she reads the Scripture, when she thinks about like the sanctification, the justification. that friend was talking about last week. When she thinks about the inheritance, when she thinks about what is kept for, when she thinks about what is not spoiled, what is not fading, what is not perishing. When she thinks about it, she just feels like, ah, I know I'm going to see Jesus one day in the world to come. But I know one thing I look forward to seeing is to see my boy. Oh, one thing I look forward to seeing is to see my girl. And all the women echoed, and I was saying the same thing. Say yes say that's true, they cannot lie, they want to see Jesus, but they also want to meet this person. They want to see Jesus, but they want to meet this loved one. Yeah. They brought it in, they know how to give, they know how to make it personal, they know how to look into it with the greatest care and the greatest application to their lives. But even if that is not enough for you, I want you to see verse 5 and verse 7. You see, verse 5 says that this inheritance is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 7 says that this inheritance, these things, he says, praise, honor, and glory will come to you. It will be revealed when Christ comes. He says, when Christ is revealed. So you see, it is not just about things. This joy will not really come. You will not fully experience this joy if you think about things alone. You see, you have to think about when Christ will be revealed. You have to think about a person. In verse 8, he says, though you did not see him, you love him though you do not see him now. He said in your present condition in this trial, in this pain you are going through, you do not see him yet. You believe him. And what he says? He says, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. He said, you do not see him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe him. And see how John Piper defines it. The prophet said this, love him. He says it means being attracted to him, being attracted to Christ for who he is. He says this believing means being confident in Christ for what he will do. Well, some of us, we, there are people in our lives that maybe, you, maybe your husband has traveled or maybe you lost your wife or your boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. You can still say, you can... You have these feelings. You have these thoughts of them. You have these. You can still quantify, though you don't see them. Though they're not really in your hands. Though they're not tangible today. But you can still say that they are feelings. They are. They are stuff. There's a the way you're attracted to them. There's something that you're confident in how they act and how they do. And see what this. See, see what he goes on to say. He says you take pleasure in them. You take pride in them. In who they are. In their person. Verse 11, He said concerning this salvation. He said the prophets said the prophets, said the spirit of Christ and the prophets predicted the sufferings and the glories of the Messiah to come. It's, you want to see so who is Christ? I, I, what will he do? Look what he said. He said, first thing we need to know about this Christ is that this Christ himself. So you want to see how you're going to love him so that you can have this this joy. So you can have this inexpressible joy. You want to see how you can believe in him, so that you can have this inexpressible and glorious joy. So this first thing you have to know. This Christ predicted his own sufferings and glory. You see, this Christ, long before he was going to come die, long before he was going to come give his life for you, he had thoughtfully planned the suffering. He had thoughtfully planned the death that he would die for you. Is more thoughtful than the proposal that your husband gave you. He's more thoughtful than the boss who has set pension scheme in line for you. Because things can say crash, those things can perish, those things can spoil your faith. But he's saying this man, who has the power to control time, who has the power to predict the outcome of events without anything shaking them at all. Because everything is in his power. He said long before he had thoughtfully planned, he had thoughtfully predicted his own sufferings. And the glories that will come. The prophets look at Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews twelve verse two. See what he says. He says this Christ. This second thing you have to know about this Christ is the first thing you know that this guy thoughtfully planned better than anyone else, better than anything in this world. But the second thing you have to know for you to have this joy real now is this. He says that in Hebrews twelve verse two, he says, "For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame." So, Christ himself also had a joy that was set before him. He had a joy. He wouldn't have lived through the suffering, he wouldn't have gone through the suffering if he didn't have a joy that was set before him. So, what is this joy? So, is this joy things? Is this joy, oh, the crown that he's going to receive in the life to come? Is this joy, oh, in heaven, he's going to have, oh, everything perfect, everything's going to be sweet? No, no, no. He had all those things already, right? He had everything, he owns them. So he couldn't have endured the cross because of that kind of joy. No, that's not his joy. Isaiah 53 verse 11 shows what his joy is. He said after, oh my goodness, he said after the sufferings. He said this man, I want to, can we pull it up, can we pull I want to go to the scripture. Isaiah 53 verse 11, I want to show you what this joy is, what his joy was, what made him go to the cross. What made him die. If you want to have this joy now, I want us to just go to this Isaiah 53 verse 11. Let's see the essence of this person. Let's see the essence of what he will do. Isaiah 53 verse 11. Are we there? Let's see what it says. After he has suffered. You see the end result. You see the end of everything. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servants will justify many. Oh, who is, what is his joy? No, it's not a thing. His joy is you, his joy is you, his joy is people, we are his joy. We are the reason he went to the cross, he endured the pain, he endured the suffering, he allowed the sorrow to mix, he had a joy that coexisted with the sorrow in his heart that he bear on the cross. When he said, Eli Eli, Lamas, there was a joy after the existence of the soul there was a soul that kept quickening his joy oh the more they flogged him the more they pierced his side the more they put the crown of thorns on his head oh he was propelling the joy you see after he has suffered he will see the light he will be satisfied because what it will justify many you are his joy and then when you begin to grasp how? That you are the joy of Christ. Oh, I am the joy of Christ. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, Oh, our Lord is rejoicing over us with singing. He's rejoicing over us with singing. He's laughing. He's having a great time over us. is we, we, deep. He's a deep joy. When you begin to grasp, when you begin to think about that, and say, oh, look at the surface, look at the glories of Christ because of me, because of me. You see, when you begin to think of Him, when you begin to love Him, for this, for who he is in this way. We're beginning to believe on him, so he died for me to justify you to bear your iniquities. Oh, you don't don't say that I don't deserve pain. No, you deserve pain. You deserve the worst that this life can bring to you because you are a sinner. Because you are destined for even much more worse suffering. You are destined for hell. But Christ, because he made you his joy, Endure the cross so that you, so that you will bear those sins, so that we will bear those pain on your behalf. When you begin to love him for this, when you begin to believe on him for this, for that you have died for your own sins. Oh, you begin to be filled with inexpressible joy. This glorious joy. This fireproof joy. Do we want this joy?
0: for listening to the gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church. Love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.